This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 125. Today, our special guest is Dr. Barry Johnson. And we talk with Barry about AND Volume 2 Applications, which was written by polarity practitioners just like us. So don't miss it. Welcome back to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders, and the missing logic in healthcare, so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Tracy Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Welcome to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is Tracy. And this is Michelle. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. It's another glorious day here in the podcast studio. We're having just way too much fun. Yes, we are. Way too much fun with our favorite people. (laughs) (laughs) At least our favorite person, Dr. Barry Johnson. Yes, it's always such an honor to have him on our podcast. And we could actually talk for five hours, but we we didn't. (laughs) Yeah, we did cut it off, but we could have. We could have gone on and on and on. And, uh, you know, we're talking about volume two, applications of the AND book. Yes. So full of wisdom and diversity of thought and application of polarity thinking. Yeah. So if you've been listening to our podcast for a while and you're still noodling around, how is this applied in the real world? That's the book for you. Definitely, definitely. Yes. And it certainly complements the first edition of AND, which is really the foundations, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we get to learn a little bit from Barry about the second book. And then Tracy and I had an opportunity to highlight two chapters we wrote in the second volume as well. And it was a delightful conversation. Yeah. Can't wait for you to hear it. Yeah, I can't either. So if you haven't met Barry before, let me tell you a little bit about him. Uh, Dr. Barry Johnson, um, he actually, we call him the godfather of polarity thinking. And in 1975, Barry created the first polarity map and set of polarity principles. Um, He has a BA in psychology from the University of Wisconsin, Eclair, a PhD in organizational development from the International College in Los Angeles, California. And Barry has worked with, as you'll learn in this podcast interview, diverse industries, business, government, education, and not-for-profit organizations around the world. He's an avid outdoorsman and intrepid traveler and brings head and heart together in his teachings and consulting. 
Barry and his wife, Dana, have five children and 11 grandchildren. Mm. And so without further ado, here is our interview with Barry Johnson. Well, Barry, welcome to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. As always, it's just incredible to have you here. Well, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Yeah. And, you know, we just have to tell you, you're our most frequent flyer. (laughs) (laughs) This is your fourth time, if you don't realize it. We do. Not that we have favorites other than Barry. Other than Barry. (laughs) Barry is flying first class now. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Getting the special treatment. (laughs) Well, I love the opportunities. It's been great. Oh, it has. It's it's always so much fun. And we're just so looking forward to Mm -hmm. today. Very grateful. Just a huge congratulations to the second volume of your book of and and uh, you know the applications and oh my gosh we just we just can't wait to talk about it because it is so full of wisdom and just the incredible author so we just we're so excited to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just I just like to I just like to clarify one thing about what you said there. You said the second the second volume of my book and it's actually. The second volume, which is your book. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, that is and, so but, true. Yeah. That, and one yeah. of the things that I'm, I'm actually, at, at many levels, I am more proud of volume two than volume one, uh, because I think, well, any of us can write a book, uh, you know, that we, that we think is important and, and share with the world. Uh, and I like doing that with volume one. But there's something special about having uh, 51 other people um, decide that this is important enough to write their own uh, chapter or chapters uh, in this book. Uh, and so I'm really grateful to both of you and to Bonnie for the work that you've done on the two chapters you've included in this, uh, in volume two, and of course, all the other authors that mm-hmm. have, uh, have made it so rich. So, so thank you for your volume two. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. And it was such a privilege just to contribute, right? Oh, like, definitely. It really definitely. was. And uh, I, you know, I can sense your pride in having both of them available now. Yeah. Awesome. And we've been anticipating. So it's great <sighs> yes. that today is finally here. And to have, yes. uh, to be with you is just an honor. Yeah. Uh, so, Barry, we'd like you to um, share with our listeners um, some context of why you planned the two books the way that you did. And we know that you covered this in the intro on both books, but that was a golden opportunity. People are listening. Why did you do it in this way? Um, well, uh, what, what drove it in a couple of things. Um, one is that as I was writing volume one, I got to the section it, towards the end of the book. I deliberately wanted to introduce Polarity Thinking in the Foundations book uh, in, uh, in areas that were uh, around which uh, people, there was less controversy and move into the more controversial parts of the book at the end after people had been grounded in polarity thinking so they could bring polarity thinking to the more controversial issues. So at the end of the book, I was talking about the interface between dominant culture and marginalized cultures. And, and how a polarity lens is useful in addressing poverty, racism, and sexism. And when I got to that, uh, that section, I was, became just painfully aware that I was the one describing this, and I am a member of the dominant culture in all of those areas. Uh, poverty, racism, and sexism, I'm in the dominant culture. And I thought, 
here I am in the dominant culture talking about the interface and the, the desire to, and I talk about claiming power and sharing power as an important dimension. And I thought, well, how, how do I share power while I'm writing this book? And I thought, uh, well, I, I really, what I need to do is I need to allow for, create a setting for the voices of the marginalized so that they could speak, so that the women and people of color who've been involved with polarity thinking could share their voices to this. And I thought first of just having that be the second half of the book. Then I looked at how big my book was becoming, and I thought, no, no, this, <laughs> this is worthy of a second book. <laughs> so, so that was one driver. The second driver was I made a commitment to all the people who have gone through our, our mastery program, our two-year mastery program in polarity thinking, that I wanted two results from two outcomes from the from the mastery program. One is that they would be really grounded in polarity thinking, and the other was that they would be seen or known as somebody grounded in polarity thinking. And so I thought, well, how do I, what's the criteria I use for who I invite to contribute to volume two? And I thought, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna limit it to, I'm aware that there are a lot of people who have been working with polarity thinking, um, but I just well, it's like there's there's so many of them. I thought, well, let me just focus it into my commitment to the mastery program graduates. And so I said yeah, to mastery program graduates, I encourage you, welcome you to write a chapter and invite anybody that you would like, uh, you know, to join you if if you'd like. But you're the entryway into this. And so Bonnie Wasorik is is a mastery graduate. Mm-hmm. And she immediately invited the two of you. She said, mm-hmm. I know who I want to have in this. You know, <laughs> I want Michelle and Tracy to be in on this. And I said, well, that's great. So, so those were the two criteria that led to me and driving forces behind the book. And I'm very grateful that it turned out the way it did. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It, it really is. <laughs> I think it was a very excellent way to bring it forward and we're excited to be a part of it. So yeah. thank Such you great for that. insight, you know, mm-hmm. to, yeah. to have that insight. And I loved how you, I loved how you frame that, right? Like the, the having the power, claiming the power and sharing the power. Cause there is so much power in polarity thinking and what you're bringing. Right. And, uh, yeah. and I think that's just such a great way to the context to put it in. Yeah. I love that. And it impacts every industry in every dilemma. Every so. nation, every, everything, right? <laughs> They're all around us, those that's darn polarities. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, that's, and that was, it was wonderful to get the breadth of response in terms of, as yes. you mentioned, in Volume 2. There's a lot of different disciplines uh, that are there, focusing on individual uh, levels of development, focusing on organizational uh, areas of, of uh, expertise and concern. Uh, and then uh, even at the national and international level. So mm-hmm. so yeah. the levels of system are diverse, and the areas of discipline are diverse. And mm-hmm. one of the strongest ones is uh, certainly the ones on, on healthcare mm-hmm. uh, that, that you are at the heart of. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, feeling great about what came of it. Yeah. Great. Well, before we do a deep dive into uh, Volume 2, Tell us and our listeners a little bit, what's been the response to volume one, uh, which was the foundations book? Well, uh, the response has been, has been really good um, among the people who have read it. Um, we have, uh, we've not had the, the kind of sales that we had hoped. I'm not, I'm not sure qu- quite why that is. I think part of it has to do with 
normally the way that the book gets sold is by uh, by us offering a presentation, a workshop, or or a keynote, or something like that, and then the book becomes uh, shared with the participants uh, either before as a as a pre-read or something that's available uh, that they get when they're there, or they can get afterwards. And because of COVID nineteen, this book came out right as COVID nineteen was hitting, and so um, uh, most of the work that I had on my calendar was, uh, I lost 70% of it in, in the first month uh, after COVID, you know, really, really hit. And so I think that has slowed us down. But uh, the, the good news is that we're getting some, some really positive responses from people who have read it. And so we're hoping that that will, that that word of mouth will, uh, will build. And now that we have both volumes, we're going to try to essentially make both of them available as a package yeah. as often as possible. And we don't assume that, that people would read all of both books, but that they would, uh, that they would uh, read the parts of the Foundations book that, that really uh, spoke to them. And then in the volume two, those who are in healthcare, for example, would, might go right to uh, your two chapters and, and a few other chapters on healthcare, and mm-hmm. that's what they would read. So it's a resource more like a dictionary or an encyclopedia than a something you read cover to cover or have to in order to have it be useful. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I think, um, you know, we've kind of alluded to the depth and breadth of what's there. Let's talk a little bit about what is in there, right? Like there are two different sections. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about the two different sections? Um, yes, there's two sections in volume two and the, um, the, as, as I mentioned before, uh, at the end of volume one, I talk about uh, the interface between dominant culture and marginalized cultures. And, uh, and so what I wanted to make sure is that the voice of the marginalized got heard. And so I, I put that up front in, in volume two, and it becomes a bridge section. So it, it, it picks up right where I leave off, essentially, in volume one. And so, okay, here are the voices of, uh, of uh, people of color and women who have been applying polarity thinking um, in their work, uh, especially in their diversity work around diversity and inclusion. And so that whole focus was on, on how the issue of diversity and inclusion is present in all of the chapters that, that are in section two, volume two. So everything that follows. And so I, what I wanted people to see it as, Section one applies to all, I mean, section one of volume two mm-hmm. applies to all of volume one. So you can look backwards and say, oh, yeah, this whole diversity inclusion thing applies throughout the conversation happening in volume one. And pay attention to these issues will be at play. For example, diversity and inclusion is an issue in healthcare. It mm-hmm. is an issue in, you know, other things. So in volume two, it just opens it wide open. It says, okay, this is open to anything and everything that people are doing with polarity thinking with the assumption that that first section about diversity and inclusion uh, is relevant as an undertow uh, and a dimension within all of the chapters that follow. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I was just sitting here thinking, you know, like volume one, the foundation, the theories, right, of polarity Mm -hmm. thinking and 
volume two, the application, the polarity in and of itself with the two books, <laughs> right? You got the yeah. both and yes. of the theory and then the application. application. You, the theory is no good if you're not applying it, right? And you can't apply it without the theory. So yeah, there you, you go. got them both. Yeah. It's yeah. a polarity package. It is. Yeah. And I can yes, see how they would feed each other. You know, when you think about the yeah. application, the experiences people are having, the stories that are in there, you know, and all these different polarities. Um, and then, like, if you, if you started there with the stories, then to get the clarity and the depth of understanding around the theory going back to volume one, right? To really yeah. understand what they are, how it really works, how they all work the same way, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I can see how doing that as mm-hmm. a package would be really, really helpful for people and really, you know, how they feed each other. It's really cool. Brilliant, Barry. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. <laughs> yes, and, and it does fit again with the claiming power and sharing power. And so yes. it's yeah. happening right here yeah. with us. Yes. It's like yeah. we are, we're sharing power in this process yes. uh, of this dialogue uh, with us, which I think is just is wonderful. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And to your point, uh, diversity inclusion is a big issue in healthcare. In fact, one of the things that I've been noticing as I look across social media and trends in healthcare is more and more healthcare organizations and academic centers are bringing in, you know, diversity inclusion officers, which is a trend in healthcare. Mm -hmm. Whatever the issue is, Mm -hmm. there's an officer to address it, whether it be patient safety, wellness. Oh yeah. And uh, so it's leadership. It'll be a great resource um, for a lot of people. And and, and the discrepancy, uh, the discrepancy in within healthcare uh, is the same discrepancy that it is within within the economy yeah. uh, and within housing. Um, there is, you know, a um, uh, healthcare for people of color uh, is on average not as good as healthcare mm-hmm. for white people uh, in the United States. And so, uh, certainly, the healthcare organizations, as well as the whole culture, all of us in the in the culture, um, need to pay attention to that. And the question is, what do we do about that? And how can we make it more equitable and more yeah. fair for basic health care for everyone? Right, right. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, we're, I wasn't planning to do this, but I'm sitting here looking at like these 42 chapters, right, that, yeah. <laughs> that are in this book. And I just want to mention a few of them because I think it just helps to bring out the diversity of the people that you have you know, really kind of gathered to share their power, their experience, their knowledge, you know, in this. And I mean, we're talking about, you know, polarity thinking in real time strategic change. We know strategy is so, you know, incredibly important in every aspect of our lives and businesses and organizations. There's, um, you know, the the pocket paradox tool. So another way to leverage polarities, um, demystifying classic assessments through a polarity lens. We know, you know, when you have polarities, the assessments need to match what you're experiencing, yes. right? And oftentimes they're so unipolar that what you're assessing isn't really even the whole picture, right? You're only assessing half the picture. So that's yeah. really, you know, the polarity thinking, the foundation of evolutionary spirituality. I mean, the diversity here is just, you know, the polarity thinking is a catalyst for experiential learning. Like there's so much mm-hmm. here and it's so diverse. And mm-hmm. I, I'm just, I, I haven't even had a chance to read all this yet, but I can't wait. <laughs> I'm so excited about what's here. I just know I'm going to learn so much, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's just phenomenal. It's been fun. I like, too, the chapters aren't very long. 
So yeah. it's a great book. Um, we do morning learning all the time in our morning rituals. And what I find, it's really easy just to even open it up and pick a chapter and read it. And it just deepens your understanding and appreciation how polarities are everywhere. And then if there's anything you want to go back to volume one on, you certainly can do that as well. Yeah, we had a real struggle with that. We originally, um, I, uh, I was hoping to have people write their chapters within a six-page framework, you know, and I wanted to be sort of equal about this, you know, it's like we don't want one, some, one person to have a 20-page chapter and somebody else to have a three-page chapter. So I said, you know, six pages or less, and I had so much pushback from so many of the authors. It's like, I, it's so hard to do this. So, so uh, when I looked at how large, <laughs> who, all was, who all we were in conversation with about writing chapters, and how large that my book was, I thought, actually, we could extend this to eight chapters. And even with all these authors, it wouldn't be any bigger than the book that I'm planning to send out. <laughs> so I thought, I thought, okay, so let's, let's, uh, let's open this up to up to eight chapters. And, uh, and, and people did uh, keep keep to that. And that was still a struggle with a lot of people. And we kept helping them uh, look at places they could, uh, you know, trim it down. So yeah. and thank you to you for doing that. Because obviously, yeah, um, oh, we could have wrote 20 pages. <laughs> Yeah, I remember the eight-page limit. Like, yeah, the eight-page I was like, oh, gosh, you know. But I think, you know, limits are good, right? Yes. Yeah. Limits are good. Yeah. They yeah. Well, it helps you get more concise, right? Because we yeah. can all ramble yeah. on and on, right? And yeah. so it just helps you really get clear and concise about the message. And I think that's what I've seen and what I've read so far. So I think that was a really good strategy. And I think, too, there's visuals. I really like that, mm -hmm. right? there. So I think that's very helpful as well. And, you know, we were certainly honored to join our mentor and close friend, Bonnie Wasork, in writing the chapters that we wrote. And, you know, it was just a great, it's just a great experience anytime that we can connect with Bonnie and do some more oh, work yeah. with Bonnie. You know, we love that. And, of course, uh, to support you and Polarity Thinking and spreading that across the world, we, we're just thrilled to do that. And so we wanted to spend just a little bit of time talking about the two chapters and kind of, you know, sharing our perspectives and getting your perspective on those chapters as well, Barry. And, you know, yeah. the first chapter, um, chapter 20, was the importance of Polarity Thinking in healthcare. And, of course, that stemmed from our 30 years of experience and working with Bonnie and hundreds of healthcare organizations across North America, Um to create healthy healing work cultures mm -hmm. and and polarity thinking was like a, a fundamental principle to the framework that we used in working with those organizations. And one of the things is, you know, we really learned um, in collaboration with those organizations, some of the core crux polarities that were occurring consistently across all the organizations, kind of the priority ones that really were, they were facing on a day-to-day -day basis. And so a lot of what's in that chapter is based on that. And one of the things that we really learned in our work, and I think, you know, is that, of course, healthcare leaders are excellent problem solvers. <laughs> and they are almost indoctrinated into that because of their clinical background, right? They are trained to solve problems. They save lives every single day by solving problems. And so it is a, it's really um, challenging to bring, you know, to expand that out, right? To even recognize that there's another way because they're so used to solving problems, right? To, to complement it, with the both and thinking, right, has been 
what we've been trying to bring, that there is another way, that it's not always a problem to solve, not everything is a problem to solve. There are problems. You definitely have to have that skill. It's good. We're great at it. Yep. But we have to open ourselves up to this both and perspective and know there's mm-hmm. another element here that's at play in our organizations mm-hmm. and in the care, even mm-hmm. in the care we deliver. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and then working with healthcare leaders, you know, in all of our work in those 30 years, um, we kind of did through the whole organization, we worked with the people, you know, feet on the ground, you know, where the hands touch the patients, we is how we framed it often that point of care experience, all the way up to the boardroom with meeting uh, executives. And the other trend that we saw was just when it came to strategic planning, um, you know, unintended, if there was a problem, they would pick one side of a, of a particular polarity. And then, of course, we would bring our wisdom in, you know, that there's another side to this that we have to look at as well. So we tried to bring that out in this first chapter. What are the most common polarities that every healthcare organization deals with? It doesn't matter if you're small, big, large, academic, rural, they're there. And then um, the bias that, you know, comes with that because of how we think in our problem setting way. So why don't we just share a few with the listeners of, you know, what sure. we uncovered in this chapter? Sure. Um, so one of them was just uh, whole person care and medical care. That was a big polarity that we brought forward. And our tendency to, again, be problem solving and just focus on the medical diagnosis, the medical solution, and that recognizing we need to see the whole person as well uh, was one, just one example. So before, one thing I'd like to suggest, if I could, if I could frame... Uh, th- before you uh, share any more of those, yes, I'd like to just frame the context here a little bit uh, uh, from a polarity perspective. Yeah, um, um, and this has to do with uh, self-assurance and humility. Very important leadership polarity. So, on the self-assurance side, for me, I feel quite confident about my what I've been learning about polarities for the years that I've been working with it. So, I feel some self-assurance and confidence uh, about that experience. On the humility side, it's important for me to recognize that building a poli- identifying and building a polarity map is always a values and language clarification process. And the wisdom is in the group that you're working with. So um, I don't know about healthcare like the two of you know about healthcare, and I never will. So. So the question for becomes, and this is why it's important in terms of people listening to you as you're talking right now, the, the, you, are the, you are the resource about polarity thinking in healthcare. I'm a good resource about polarities, but when you jump into <laughs> polarities in healthcare, it's like, no, no, listen to Michelle and Tracy, um, because you know healthcare in ways that I clearly don't um, and never will. So so as as you're listening to Michelle and Tracy, those who are watching this or listening to this, um, it's it's an important thing to just appreciate that not only do they understand uh, how polarities work, but they understand how it works in uh, in healthcare. And so uh, it's just it's just important that you get that that recognition, that authority that resides in you. Well, thank so, you, Barry. Well, thank so you. Go ahead and share the polarities now that you've come up with. Because <laughs> I, I would not necessarily have identified these as the point. 
That's great. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, well, we identified 11. And uh, to Tracy's point, that was years being in the field. And uh, we just wanted to shout out a few of them. Um, and so uh, medical care and whole person care is definitely one that emerged in our work in the field. And um, that there were you know, aspects of the patient care experience that were missed because we tend to over-focus on medical care, the neglect of the whole person care. And again, as you notice, as Tracy and I go through these, they still exist today. They're always going to exist. <laughs> They're always going to exist. <laughs> um, yeah, and another, uh, another one um, is uh, conditional respect and unconditional respect. And it's interesting because polarities teach you too, the, the context changes as time changes. And when we were in the field working with all of these organizations, uh, the conditional and unconditional respect uh, really had more to do with kind of power over and roles. And that's kind of like the essence of where it came from. And, and today we feel like we're experiencing a whole different level of that with yeah, I think what we're hearing in the field in the midst of the pandemic, we know, right, the frontline caregivers are risking their lives every single day, basically, right? Mm-hmm. And they have for 19 months or more. And they're running into some challenges with the patients that they're caring for now that we have vaccines and other research that indicates there's ways to prevent this. They're really struggling with conditional and unconditional respect with the patients that they're caring for. And it's it's a result of this ongoing stress and strain, the the burnout, the emotional challenges that they've faced. And this is something that's kind of starting to emerge that we're hearing about. I don't know if you have any perspectives on that, um, Barry. I mean, we're not making any judgments here in any way, shape, or form. We're just recognizing this is a polarity that's starting to emerge and mm-hmm. the tension is getting stronger. And um, and those are some of the things that, you know, are a result. Um, um, yeah, I think, I think that's really, that is an important one. It always is important. And I think like you have indicated, it's showing up in a more dramatic way with, um, with those who are, uh, for a variety of reasons, um, unwilling to get a vaccine to the detriment of the common good. Um, so the, the a key polarity here is also individual freedom and the common yeah. good, and how do we leverage that? Mm-hmm. Um, and another, another way to talk about that is around support and challenge. So how do we care for people um, regardless of, of, their, of their status, whether they took vaccine or didn't take the vaccine or whatever, but when they come to the hospital um, and need care, um, we take care of them because uh, because they need the care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's unconditional. It's not. It's not. Well, we're not going to care for you because you didn't take the yeah. vaccine. Um, uh, so there's a there's a whole unconditional respect, uh, unconditional compassion for whoever yeah. arrives to take care of of them. And um, how do you, as medical professionals, communicate to the community? Uh, and challenge the community to say, you know, um, look, y- you need to take care of yourself and take care of us as people d- delivering health care and take mm-hmm. care of your other other family and relatives, take care of other people by getting this vaccine. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so um, there's a challenge dimension to that and, and saying, you know, there are there are conditions which you are creating that are. Uh, impacting a lot of other people, 
Yeah. And and we and so we want to challenge you to uh, reconsider uh, your uh, your decision to not get the vaccine. And so some version of that is certainly very important. And without it, um, unfortunately, we will you know we'll just have um, a lot of people dying who made the choice to not get a vaccine, and a lot of people dying who didn't make the choice because they, uh, you know, the choice was made for them by somebody else right? Um, mm-hmm. who will be dying, like the children right. of non-vaxxers, for example, right. or, or people who they've influenced to not take the vaccine because they've been the role model about not taking the vaccine. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think it's, it is a good example of that polarity of conditional respect and unconditional respect. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, these are individuals who've dedicated their lives to caring for other people. Yeah. They wouldn't have this tension in the extreme that they're experiencing if it wasn't for the situation we've been under for this incredible length of time. So I want to be clear, right? You know, it's, it's just a culmination of the whole experience that we're having that is leading to the increasing tension and, you know, and, and in addition the burnout they're experiencing and the other things that are happening, right? These, this is, wouldn't necessarily be um, this extreme without this, this context yeah. and this condition. Yes. So. yes. Yes. And there's a chapter in, at the end of volume one, there's a chapter that I, two chapters I wrote about COVID-19 yep. and, and they're, they're actually, they were created sort of as op-eds or articles because the, the, the book was all done and all of a sudden COVID-19 comes and I thought, I don't want volume two, volume one to get out there and not, in the midst of COVID-19 and not have a comment about a polarity lens on that. And so um, the, 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 one of the chapters uh, is on the economy and health. If you focus on, on uh, a healthy economy uh, to the neglect of, of public health, then you're going to have you know, a public health crisis. Uh, and if you, if you just focus on public health to the neglect of the economy, you're going to have an economic crisis. So the question is, how do you pay attention to both? You need a both-and mindset to address it. And the other one is individual freedom and the common good. And so how do you manage the tension between wanting as much individual freedom as possible while also making sure that the individual freedom is not expressed to the detriment of the common good, which is what is happening with the, with the, uh, the lack of taking the vaccine. Yeah. And we have all sorts of rules about taking other, uh, other shots that are just required. Uh, in order to to take care of the common good, yep. and uh, and so I think from my perspective, mandating that people uh, uh, you know get vaccinated for the common good, with with individualized exceptions as as you know mandated by their their uh, health status um, or possibly their uh, their faith traditions, um, uh, but but that that it's that it's the exception to the rules. So you create the rule and then you are willing to have, you have clear, clarity about the rule and you have some flexibility about what the exceptions would be and how do you uh, determine those exceptions and how do you protect the common good from those who for what have become acceptable reasons have not taken the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might require them to wear masks. Right. If you, can't, if you don't take the vaccine. For example, there, so there's yeah. a ways to deal with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but but an underlying polarity is individual freedom and the common good. Yeah. Yeah. And we actually had you on our podcast in the past where we talked about those two. Yeah. So we can put the link in the show yeah, notes Yeah, that'd be for great that. to refer people oh, back right. to yeah. those. Okay. Remember? Yeah. 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 That was one of your 
frequent flying times. (laughs) 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 Anyway, those were some, those were some ones that Tracy and I in preparing for today's interview with you really identified that they're still there, but there's a little bit more um, emotion around them right now. They're a little bit more prevalent because of the different contexts. But we also have a lot of other polarities in healthcare in this chapter that we bring out that, you know, to Tracy's point, it, they'll they'll always be there. Um, patient yeah. satisfaction, staff sa- satisfaction, uh, margin and mission. There's just several polarities in healthcare that are key for leaders and organizations yeah, and, to manage. And, and and just to build on your point about they'll always be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the characteristics of of all polarities is um, first of all they're unsolvable. In the sense that you can't choose one or the other. So if you take a, a you know, a, a natural a polarity of simple polarity of inhaling and exhaling, you can't, it's, it's, it, it, there is a natural oscillation between the two over time. And you can't just choose one as a solution because it's a good thing. Inhaling is a good thing, but it's just not sustainable. And so, uh, so you can't solve the breathing uh, process by choosing one or the other. This applies to all polarities. So all the polarities that you identify in healthcare will have been in healthcare since the beginning of healthcare, and they will be in healthcare as long as there's healthcare. Right. So, right. so it's a really important point that you're you're uh, bringing that that it's um, that they will be with us. And so what we there will be tension in them. Um, they will be unsolvable, but they will be leverageable. We can do something with them that serves the mission of healthcare itself. And that's where you come in with identifying which ones seem to be most important to pay attention to and how do we intentionally uh, leverage them for the benefit of those who give and receive healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. And there are, um, you know, in that chapter, we kind of identified some of the biases that were, yeah. you know, present as well, right? So we wrote the chapter and identified the polarities, but we also stated kind of reality quotes because I think sometimes it's hard for people, if you don't know about polarities, to be able to recognize when they're showing up. <laughs> and so sometimes you're going to hear people say things or you're going to experience something that's the indicator these are showing up. So that's one of the ways that we mm-hmm. kind of differentiated these and, and um, kind of laid them out within the chapter um, as an example for a technology platform and a practice platform, a reality quote was, you know, millions of dollars have been spent on the technology without improving patient care outcomes. And that just showed the bias to implementing the technology without giving attention, the necessary attention to practice, which influences the outcomes of the patient, right? So that's how it was showing up in the organizations that we were a part of. And um, so we kind of tried to mm-hmm. lay that out, you know, as well as an action step, which is, so now what do you do? <laughs> you know, if you need to, um, you know, give more attention and take action to strengthen the pull that has been neglected, there's action steps that you can take. And so you can, you know, those are in the book as well. I think it's important for people to kind of, you know, to know that. Um, that's kind of how that's written, our intention to kind of bring to light, heighten awareness, how you might see these. Mm-hmm. Somebody reading that statement might go, oh my gosh, it's happening in my organization right now, right? And they didn't even realize that was a polarity. Um, I think the other thing is at the at the end of this mm-hmm. chapter is a statement that, you know, I think is really uh, important to note. And that is just that the simplicity of polarity thinking is magical. 
and it's in the complexity, that's what assures the sustainability of the greater purpose, right? So the concept is not hard to grasp. <laughs> and most people go, oh, yeah, that makes yeah. sense, right? But it's in the complexity of how it works over time, the actions, the early warning, like all the, and the layers that can occur, the multipolarities, right? That um, that's what really leads to that sustainability and the outcomes that you you, know, you want to achieve. So mm -hmm. I think that's important to note as well. Yeah, we wanted to point that out because that's been our experience. Yeah. <laughs> People get really excited about the concept and they, they do grasp it. And it's it makes it's very the concepts, you know, makes a lot of sense. But it's really understanding how that energy works and how you can influence it and what um, that it gets a little bit more complicated. Um, yes, it does. And and one of the, the points that really uh, fits consistently within that chapter 20, <clears throat> where you're looking at essentially, um, the, the way I would say it is, you know, it, with the polarity, you've over-focused over on one pole <clears throat> for all the good reasons that that pole is there, like technology, all the advantages that technology brings. But when you look at technology, you know, high-tech without high-touch, without, without that other pole, you experience the downside of that pole. Yes. And two things that are important about that as general characteristics of all polarities is, first of all, you're going to get the downside of the pole you over-focus on. Then you find yourself in the downside of the other pole as well. And, and the question of how did we get here? And so if you're going to trace the history of how did we get here into, into both downsides, it's like, which one did we overemphasize or you know, give a, 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 an, a, an abundance of money or energy or power to? that has caused us to find ourselves in the downside of both? Mm -hmm. um, that's one question. The other thing is when you're trying to respond to that downside, it becomes very important, for example, in, the, in this high-tech, high-touch, what were your words was tech and? Technology and practice. practice. Platform. And practice. Okay. So, so in the desire to have action steps in support of the practice pull, um, what we would need to do is reaffirm the technology poll first mm. and say, look, we're not asking that you let go of technology. Yep. We want yep. to continue to have technology, improve technology. Absolutely. And we need to, while we're enhancing our technology, we need to also figure out how to embrace this other practice poll because without it, the effort towards uh, enhancing technology is not going to gain our greater purpose of, uh, you know, having good places to go give and receive care. Um, because it, because it is a, a pole of a polarity, it's just not sustainable on its own. Great yeah. stuff, but not, not, it's like inhaling. It just doesn't work alone. Exactly. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and kind of along those lines, uh, we did a podcast episode 115 recently where we talked about in-person care and virtual care with the rise of telehealth during COVID. Same thing. You don't, you don't, you start with in-person care is valuable. It is important. It doesn't mean it's going to go away, but how can we, you know, leverage virtual care so that we can have better outcomes right now. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So same concept. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is I think we've always had uh, some version of in-person care and uh, virtual care. Uh, when, you know, we used to call up the doctor and tell him what's going on and, and, and he or she would respond, well, how about you do this, you know? And so I mean, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's always been there at some level. 
And now we have the possibility to do it more sophisticatedly. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, there are times when that's the only option because the person can't get to the face-to-face -face scenario. So it's always been there, I think. And we're now, we have a, uh, a broader uh, range of opportunity to do it virtually. Uh, so I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Barry. So the very next chapter, thank you for putting them back to back. <laughs> the very next chapter, uh, we also co-authored. Uh, it's chapter 21, Leveraging a Healthy Healing Organization, or the H2O Framework, Grounded in Polarity Thinking to Achieve Healthcare Transformation. And uh, so it's it was awesome. We got to write two chapters. This one, as well, is based on our 30 years of experience in the field. And this one, we took a little bit different um, approach in that we really stepped back and observed another pattern or trend. We saw that there have been many uh, national reports through the years that have influenced our work and certainly the work of the organizations we work with, namely out of the Institute of Medicine or what was the Institute of Medicine or the IOM and now the National Academy of Medicine. And... Um, we would get so excited every time one of these reports would come out, but we did see a trend that we had really yet to see large-scale, sustainable results. And um, as you, as we gained our knowledge about polarities, we could see where they they weren't addressed always. While there was a lot of good suggestions, action strategies, they weren't um, always obvious. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we've learned that we've we've learned to look at those reports through a different lens, a polarity lens. And this particular chapter, uh, we highlighted a report that came out again right before the pandemic. It came out in October of 2019, and it's a consensus study report called "Taking Action Against Clinician uh, Burnout." And uh, which this was a issue before COVID, but now because of COVID. Um, it is really prevalent right now, the burnout rate of healthcare clinicians. And um, that's actually a parallel pandemic. Now. Yes, now it's a parallel pandemic. Yeah. So we wanted to bring this to um, a chapter as well and the importance of culture into addressing the issue of burnout. And uh, just uh, to kind of put everyone on the same page. Excuse me while I put my readers on. <laughs> we just wanted to kind of level set what the definition of burnout is and how it's described in the report is it is characterized by high emotional exhaustion, high depersonalization, such as cynicism, and a low sense of personal accomplishment from the work. And boy, our providers and frontline clinicians feeling that right now and, and what, leaders too i think yeah yeah leaders too and now what we've the work we've been doing is yeah the leaders it's really impacting the leaders at this point because they've been holding so much as well right so we introduce uh the h2o framework and um how that really helps with burnout and we tie several of the different polarities that we work with organizations with that framework to to help alleviate burnout as well. Yeah, and I think too, you know, um, we've had such a history with a framework. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Working with Bonnie and all those organizations over the 30 years, just really realizing the importance of a systems thinking approach, right? And 
And I think, you know, grounding this framework in polarity thinking to bring the both and to make what may be invisible to some people visible, um, to really heighten the awareness that in a work culture, there are polarities at play that, you know, will um, support a healthy work culture or, you know, if you're not paying attention to them, it can undermine having a healthy work culture. And I think it's just, you know, that um, this all of this is being exacerbated, of course, by the pandemic. And healthcare is right at the center of it, right? And every organization um, over this long period of time are facing challenges they've never faced before. Um, the clinicians are facing challenges they've never faced before. The leaders are, the organizations are. And as it goes on, the challenges continue to shift and change, you know, and the clinicians are leaving the workforce or they're leaving their organizations just because it's traumatic to be in that organization and to come to the place where they have experienced trauma in the past. I mean, there's a multitude of things, right? We've mm -hmm. already got, um, you know, challenges with resources, et cetera. So the, the challenges are mounting and it's just important to understand, you know, also you have to maintain a culture of health and well-being to support them while they're going through these challenges. And so I think this framework yeah. just becomes more and more important. Yeah, absolutely. I have a fun story to share about that. I was, I was doing a workshop. This was, um, uh, this is, this is pretty early on. It's, it's in, uh, uh, it's probably in the early 80s, um, and I was, so it was before my first book came out in 92. I know it was before the, that book came out. Um, I was working with a group of people who were um, uh, in, uh, in, in the social work area, and they were working in, uh, you know, community, uh, community health kinds of, and social work issues, and it was about burnout. The focus of the workshop was on burnout. It was in, it was in Canada. And so at the beginning of the, um, of the workshop um, about, you know, uh, effectively addressing burnout, um, the, uh, uh, I, I asked everybody in the room, I said, well, let's, let's get a, just a feel for where people are. And I said, um, what I'd like to do is let's just create a diagonal line in the room. Um, and, and in this far corner, um, we'll have that means that uh, right now, in terms of your own sense of burnout, now where are you at in, in this burnout continuum? And this is I'm fried, I'm absolutely almost mm -hmm. done, you know, I'm 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 at the precipice. <laughs> and on <in> this <laughs> other end, actually things are going well. I'm you know I'm kind of uh, you know uh, really vital and and feeling great. I said so on this continuum. I said why don't you just put yourself wherever you are on a scale of one to ten, and let's see where we're at. And one of the people said. Well, Barry, are you talking about how I'm feeling energetically in terms of the clients I'm working with or the system I'm working in? And I said, well, that's a great question. Let's make that distinction. Let's do two of them. So I said, okay, so let's, let's put yourself on the continuum about with the clients you're working with. You know, how burned out do you feel in that, in that work, your interface with the people you're, you're wanting to serve? So they got on the continuum, and they were they were uh, spread out some, but it was a it was a burnout workshop. So obviously, you know, the, the filter for coming was probably they were concerned about burnout. <laughs> yeah. So, so, they, so there were some of them at the you know at the at the end of the uh, they were sort of in the middle, and some feeling you know pretty burned out. Uh, and and so um, 
the the end that they uh, that being burned out was happened to be located that end there was a door in that corner of the room that was the entry door um, so the second time when I asked them how how they felt about being burned out in relation to the organizations in which they worked the group just swarmed to the corner where they were burned out you know and burned out because of the organization they opened the door. And and a third of them walked out and they slammed the door. <laughs> wow! So 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 this was my quick and dirty assessment about where people were at. <laughs> Worked pretty good. <laughs> and so so then they 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 came back in. They opened the door and came back in and and they looked at me and they said. We did not know how pissed off we were until we started walking toward and how just, you know, angry we are about uh, the systems yeah. in which we live. So we changed the name of the workshop on the spot. I had a day with them and this was the first, <laughs> the first 15 minutes or 20 minutes. And so I, we called it uh, Beyond Survival in the System. Yep. So how do, we, how do we improve our systems? Uh, so that um, so that they support us in working with the clients that we have, and um, and that was um, so that was really early on. It was a part of the emergence of the whole polarity focus between focusing on the system and then focus individual responsibility. Yes. And I write about yes. this in Value One: individual responsibility for your you know for your yes. health uh, and your um, uh, you know just uh, not being burned out. And organizational responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm very clear with organizations when I work with them. I get invited in sometimes to say, we want you to help our, our people, you know, manage the work-home polarity more effectively. And so can you work with them? And I said, well, yes, I can. However, you know, yeah. that's really one pole of a polarity. The question is, you know, no matter what I do with them, if the culture says you have to work a 100-hour week here, then th there's not much latitude in their individual lives to actually manage it. Exactly. Um, and yeah. so, so we need to pay attention to what is the organizational responsibility as well as the individual responsibility for uh, the burnout issue. Yeah. So and I think you're right on when you are paying attention to that dimension. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and I'm so glad to bring that forth yes. because one of the things we recognized in the report is, you know, we've been living in the downside of, okay, individuals, you know, it's your work-life balance. So here's some yoga, here's some meditation, yeah. you take care of it, right? And we got as a nation into the downside of that. Now they're swinging all the way over to, it's just about the system, system. now. Let's all focus on the system. Yeah. And so they're not recognizing this pendulum swing, right? And they recognize that the individual factors are mediating factors, but they're not giving it the equal attention in some regard, In mm -hmm. at least in the report, right? They're heavy emphasis on the system. And the system needs to change. There's no doubt about it. But that's why we've set up Missing Logic isn't just about this framework and a healthy organization. We work with individual leaders as well, right? And then the clinicians, right, to really get that both and, right? Strengthen the individual, you strengthen the organization, right? Manage the culture of the organization, you help strengthen the individual. They're going to go hand in hand, and it's a both and, and that's what we do, right, mm -hmm. at Missing Logic. And, yeah. and that's why we brought this forth in yeah. here, too, is... 
these are system issues and it does require a framework. And a big thing about uh, our work also is the importance of measurement. And again, back to, right, you can't change what you're not measuring. And the other thing is you can't just measure the unipolar aspect of it. You have to measure the both and. And that's why this framework and what we shared in the chapter is all around these eight crux polarities that are essential for a healthy work environment. You know, you have to manage... The technology and the practice platform. Technology is having a significant impact on the the workforce in mm-hmm. the clinical setting. So you have to have that polarity managed well to reduce burnout. Again, burnout's a problem, right? But there's a multitude of polarities that are contributing to that, right? And so yeah. it's kind of differentiating yeah. those. And you know, the patient experience and the clinician experience. We spent a lot of focused time on the patient and family experience neglecting the clinicians, and now we have burnout, right? So there's a multitude of these yes. polarities, and and we kind of bring them forth and, and pull them out so people can kind of take a look to see what they are. Yeah, and then also... Um we have an overview of the Healthy Healing Organization framework on our website. And... Um, it is, uh, you can find it easily at missinglogic.com forward slash healthcare dash organization. So in this particular chapter, we do address the organizational work that has to be done to pay attention to their culture and leverage these, in particular, these eight crux polarities that we know are there and need to be leveraged yeah. and managed. Yeah. 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 And, that's, and that's a great contribution that you have made by these chapters and by your, your work. Um, I, the contribution I um, feel grateful to be a part of is identifying polarities in the first place and how they work and what's important about them. And so the, the realities of all polarities, sharing that in the, uh, in the foundations book. Um, the, then the next step is, okay, so how does that get, how does the, do these realities make sense in this particular setting, and in mm-hmm. your case, in the healthcare setting, you know, how does it make sense there? And so, uh, I really appreciate your taking it that next step to make it specifically useful uh, in in healthcare. So, it's uh, it's much appreciated what you've done. Thank you. Uh-oh. Oh, thank you, Barry. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Now, how does everybody get these books? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best way for them to get these books, Barry? <clears throat> well, um, yeah, they can. Uh, they can get they can get them by going to uh, uh, just uh, www.polaritypartnerships.com to our website. You can order them there. They're going to be available on Amazon soon um, at Amazon. So that will be that's another another place that you can get them. Um, so uh, uh, they're uh, they're both they're both out there and available. Uh, and uh, we'll make sure you get them if you want them. That's right. That's right. Awesome. We certainly will, right? Mm-hmm. We'll help with that. <laughs> All right, Barry, now it's time for the missing questions. Are you ready? Oh, okay. All right. Are yes, I, I think All I am. Right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. You got this. We're not going to ask anything you can't answer. <laughs> we just want our listeners to get to know you on a little personal level. We've talked about your incredible work and contribution and bringing you know, both of these books into existence and making them available to the world. And so let's learn a little bit about you. And so the first question is, what are you most disciplined about? Um, 
Well, I guess I'm most disciplined about my uh, six-day-a-week workout. Um, I've been uh, I've been doing that for uh, for a really uh, long time. I guess since the early '80s, I decided I wanted to be uh, just to work out regularly. So I've done that workout uh, uh, routine, and I will uh, uh, I'll I'll do. Um, most weeks I will do, uh, six, six days out of seven. And, uh, on a rare occasion, it'll be only five days, but, but I'll do five or six days a week. And, and so I feel most disciplined about, uh, about that. And, uh, what I'm noticing is I, I I see myself as in this, I'll I'll be 80 in June. So I've got this, this sort of glide pattern. I'm not doing as, (laughs) as intense a work (laughs) as I, I, I can just watch myself, you know, uh, reducing, uh, uh, some of the things that I'm doing or how intensely I'm doing them. Um, but I am, uh, doing them regularly. And so I've, uh, for, I've been blessed with not with sort of minimal injuries of any kind. So mm-hmm. that allows me to, and, and not a lot of, uh, you know, health issues that keep me from doing the workouts. So so re- yeah, that's my my most disciplined. That's inspiring! Thing. Wow. Yeah, and you're reaping the benefits. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you're doing what you need to do. Don't worry about it, right? Don't worry yeah, about yeah. the intensity of it. You're moving. That's the big yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Hey, half yeah. the time, if you wake up, you're breathing and you're moving, it's a good day, right? Like that's right. <laughs> let's not complain about anything else. <laughs> so, okay, the second question. Now, when yeah. was the last time you sat in silence? Um, yesterday, um, I, uh, I have, uh, uh, I, I build a silent time and a meditative time into my workouts. So, um, when I'm halfway through, for example, when I, when I bicycle around the lake, it's about seven and a half miles around the lake. Um, and I, and so in the routine, I build in, there are different sections that I'm being anaerobic about six different times. I'm anaerobic during this, during that cycling. And, uh, but then I stop by the lake. It's around a small lake close by and I stop and, um, and I'm still for a while. And I, um, uh, have a sort of like a meditative, uh, process. Um, and, um, uh, and so. Uh, so that I do, uh, every day I work out. Um, so, so it was, uh, would be yesterday. I haven't done my workout yet today. So. <laughs> that, we interrupted. That, that, in, that in of itself, it's a polarity. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Activity, rest, rest and silence. Yeah, that's right. Oh, great. Great. All right. Here's our wrap up question, Barry. Of course, we yeah. don't have to tell you that everyone has a preference poll for, a polarity, and um, so we're going to share a polarity with you, and we want you to tell us what your preference poll is. Okay. Okay, you ready? Yep. Okay. Doing or being? Doing. Oh, that came really <laughs> <I> fast. <did. laughs> <laughs> Definitely your preference, Paul. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, so the one I'm vulnerable. I really have to work on making sure I take care of the being pool. Yeah. See, be vigilant yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, that's just one that, you know, we have really been working on ourselves. Yes. And so that's the question about silence, right? Because when you're in silence, you're just being, right? And yeah. And uh, I think it's just such an important polarity for for people, for all of us, really yes. to manage our lives, the stresses that we, you know, experience and 
we, we are, we're driven people, right? Like we're leaders. You, you just wrote, you know, a book and you facilitated another one coming into existence. And, you know, we tend to focus on the doing side all the time, but the being is so, so important. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for yeah. sharing that. Yeah. Aww. And thanks for the interview. Wow. Yeah. It was so awesome. And um, it was an honor for us to not only contribute to the second uh, volume of your book series, but also to share it with our listeners yeah. who are yeah. listening to us because they're very interested in what Missing Logic's all about and, yeah. and polarities. learning about polarity. So, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for inviting me and thank you for your contribution. Uh, the mission of Polarity Partnerships is to enhance our quality of life on the planet by supplementing or thinking with and thinking. And everything that you do at uh, Missing Logic is contributing to that mission. So I'm very grateful to, uh, to that reality. And thanks for inviting me. Oh, I yeah. It. Oh, we've been so blessed and our listeners have been blessed too. Yes. So thank you. And for our listeners, this wraps up another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you next Bye, time. Bye, everybody. Bye now. enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, now a top-rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.